Hi everyone, and welcome to another great Vetfolio Voice episode. I'm your host, Dr. Cassie, and we're so happy to have you with us. In this episode, sponsored by Hills, I'm joined by Dr. Jason Pieper to talk about the use of steroids in dermatology cases. Now, prior to this conversation, I considered myself to be fairly comfortable with steroids and not someone who would necessarily use them as a crutch, but also not someone who would shy away from them if they were necessary. Well, let me tell you, I learned so much from this talk. I mean, did you guys know there were steroids besides prednisone and prednisolone? Okay, so just for clarification, I'm kidding. I did know there were other types of steroids, but I realized that there were multiple cases where these drugs could potentially be beneficial and maybe they weren't top of mind for me. So let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Pieper and then I'll let you listen for yourselves. Dr. Pieper is currently an assistant professor for dermatology at Iowa State University. He attended vet school at Iowa State University and graduated in 2009, which was followed up by a rotating internship in the greater Chicago area and a dermatology internship in Phoenix. He completed a dermatology residency at the University of Illinois in 2015 and became a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Dermatology in 2015. Dr. Pieper also completed his master's degree in 2016 at the University of Illinois. He was a clinical assistant professor and the dermatology and otology service head at the University of Illinois until 2020. Prior to veterinary medicine, he served in the U.S. Navy as a chef for almost six years, splitting his time between San Diego and Washington, D.C. His areas of interest in veterinary dermatology include otitis, resistant bacterial infections, dermatohistopathology, platelet-rich plasma, CO2 laser, and dermoscopy. Let's go ahead and get into our talk. Well, I'm joined today by Dr. Jason Pieper. Dr. Pieper, thank you so much for joining me today. Yep, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we're talking about steroids, um, which can be, I feel like our best friend or our worst enemy, not really our worst enemy, maybe. Um, but just kind of common uses and how to, how to use them well and use them correctly. So do you commonly use steroids in your patients? Yes. Yeah. And there's, you know, quite a bit of use with the skin and the ears that unfortunately I think require steroids. You know, it's one of those drugs that is not meant for long-term life usage, but definitely is needed when, you know, there is severe itching, severe inflammation. It's going to be very much your most effective anti-inflammatory medication out there to help out with that. So I think it's definitely something that we need to use, um, but use judiciously is the key with that. Sure. Like anything, make sure that we're, we're really assessing things and using those in the right situations. Correct. So what are some of the common indications that you see for steroids in your patients? So a lot of them, when they come in, whether it's just say their skin is very red and inflamed and they have secondary infections, mental issues, you know, cutaneously, while some of the other medications can stop the inflammation, some of the drugs are treated for atopic dermatitis. A lot of them are not going to be as effective to really just calm that fire down, you know, and that dog takes two, three steps and is itching and there's no parasites present, you know, and even bacterial there may be, but you know, you need something just to really give them a little bit better quality of life for a short amount of time, just to put out the fire. I think that's a huge place for steroids just to give them a short course, you know, five, six, seven days of it, and then taper them off just to give them some immediate relief, I think is huge. 
Probably the other area where I think is the most important is probably the ears. You know, a lot of ears, they're so inflamed, they're so irritated, putting any medications in there, cleaning them, they're very painful, which then becomes a bigger problem just due to compliance. You know, if the owner can't put in medications because the animal is so painful, it's not going to be effective. You're not going to get rid of the infection going on. And so we really need to kind of put out that fire. So for some of these ears that are very ulcerative or even very stenotic and closed off, I use steroids maybe by themselves for, you know, three or five days before I even start topical medications just to, again, try to put out the fire a little bit by putting out the infection. I love how you put that, the putting out the fire, because that's so many times what you're seeing, right? Either the the skin cases where the pet has no hair, but maybe the owner is losing hair too from like pulling it out because they've been up all night with their pet scratching for who knows how long. And then the ears too. I totally agree. I think that was one of the best pieces of advice that I've gotten as far as the use of steroids was to give them for a few days before you even attempt those ear medications, because those ears are so painful. And, you know, the, the steroids and the ear medication will, will calm that down to a point. But by then the pet's so irritated that you're trying to put this stuff in their ears, that it makes it really challenging and you don't get as good a compliance. Exactly. And you know, you may be not able to get as much medication as you want to topically, or the actual, the tip is hitting the ear and really causing trauma. And then the animal's averse to you putting medications going forward. So then you're really going to shorten down your course and not be able to have get full efficacy for the infections. Oh yeah. And I'm picturing like down the road, it just sets you up for failure because then they're not going to want you to clean and they're not going to want you to really just mess with their head at all. makes exams a lot harder. And so yeah, using the steroids in the beginning, I think I couldn't agree more really helps set everything up for success. Yep, exactly. What type of dosages do you use uh, when you use steroids in your patient? We think the typical like anti-inflammatory dose, but do you have like a go-to when you're using these? Um, I mean, definitely, you know, the anti-inflammatory range of the 0.5 to one mg per keg for dogs, I'm usually going to the high end. I'm usually going 0.75 to one, maybe even 1.2 if need be. Granted, I will say my patients are probably usually the worst of the worst than when I see them. But if I was out there, you know, even for first time patients, I see, I would still be going 0.75 to one just to really kind of calm it down. And I mean, with that dose, you should see significant improvement when it comes to, especially the skin, the ears, I definitely push one, if not 1.25, I mean, go a little bit higher just because most of the time when I'm using it for them, they are so ulcerated, unlike the skin, it's just inflamed, but the ears are ulcerated or there's so much, you know, inflammation and they're completely fibrotic and closed off that I feel you need that extra little higher dose to really get that extra little punch. So that's interesting because I usually do exactly like you said, do that the half to one mg per kg and aim closer to a half. So I, I feel so free to know that I can increase that dose a little bit in some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, cause there's, it's a gray area. I mean, if you think of people talk about anti-inflammatory 0.5 to one and then immunosuppressive two to four. So what's that one to two range, you know, for dogs, that's kind of that open that's the play sweet spot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for some of these patients, it is completely the sweet spot and that's where they get their relief. So, you know, I, I'm not scared at, you know, I don't jump to 1.75 or anything. I'm still kind of in the range, but I tend to see a lot of people that will go towards the bottom end, kind of like what you say of, you know, going down to the 0.5 where it might help and you might get some improvement, but I feel like if I go a higher end, I tend to get that much more improvement. It's a little bit more immediate too. I feel like it's a little quicker just because of the extra little, you know, punch that we're going to put in there. So, I mean, that makes sense. If you're going to do it, do it. 
exactly put out the fire yep so of course if we're aiming for these a little bit higher doses um we are thinking about side effects and things like that so how do you talk about steroids with clients and kind of set their expectations yeah you know i I definitely tell them even before we even get into talking and i go into steroids specifically, you know, I tell them everything has side effects. The good thing about the steroids is that I'm not going to use them for a long time. You know, it's just a short type thing just to kind of calm it down and, you know, kind of get things under control. But then obviously I talk to them about the typical ones, the increased thirst, urination, appetite, tell them, you know, not to restrict food and water necessarily until towards night to try to pull it back a little bit. So they're not going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But I will say if it becomes to where it's impeding on their lifestyle and they're getting up three times at night. Maybe we need to change what we're doing with the steroid. And it may be a matter of maybe I have to decrease my dose. Maybe I was too high. The other option is maybe you go with some of the steroids that are a little bit different and work a little bit different, have a little bit less, you know, PP side effects, such as Medrol or dexamethasone, you know, it's believed to have a little bit less of those side effects. So maybe you go to one of those drugs instead. I, I pretty much will tell them that there are these side effects but there are ways I will work around it. If it happens, you know, we still want to use the drug because we want the full benefit of it. And if it's not going to impede on their lifestyle and everything that I'm going to try to push through. And this probably happens more with the ears than the skin itself, just because there's only so much you can do for the ears that way. Right. And I will also say for the ears, I tend to go longer rather than saying, you know, the five days, if it's like a really stenotic ear canal and closed off, I will probably go two, three weeks, if not a month before I actually taper it down. Cause I want that ear canal wide open um, wow. just so it does not become calcified. Cause once it becomes calcified, surgery is the only option. Then it's end stage and the ear is done. So, you know, I'm pretty aggressive with the ears and that's probably the biggest downside. I see more side effects with the ear cases because I am pushing the one to 1.25 constantly, yeah. but Yeah. And doing it for a long time. I mean, I feel like that's a really big, I feel like I just learned something because I I definitely see the benefits with steroids when I use oral steroids in my bad otitis patients and yours are are probably a little worse than what I'm seeing, but to know, maybe push those doses a little bit higher, maybe keep them on it a little bit longer and we'll get more success with those cases faster. Yep. Cause again, you know, especially with the ears, you know, when they're the stenotic, you can open them up. Then again, you're getting medications, Otherwise, if it's not opened up all the way, you still have all those redundant folds and all the hyperplasia that's present and, you know, the bacteria, everything kind of sits in there. The biofilms can be present. So all of that stuff is kind of creating a perfect environment and inhibiting your treatment realistically and kind of causing decreased efficacy overall. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So along these lines of client communication, I know sometimes I'll run into clients who say, I'm, I'm really scared of steroids. I don't want to give these to my dog or my cat. I've heard that they can have really bad side effects. I, I don't want to use them. And then on the flip side, sometimes I'll have people who say, well, the prednisone worked last time, just give them the prednisone again. So how do you navigate those kind of client communication situations? Yeah, those are tough because when they come in with that preemptive mindset of this is what I want and this is what my animal needs, whether it is the best decision or not, that is the most difficult aspect. But for the ones that are averse to side effects, you know, trying to figure out why they were averse to it, you know, is it okay? Yes, it worked in the past. Okay, well, good. We know it's effective for your animal. But then they're worried about, well, it's increased thirst, increased urination. Okay, well, then maybe I'll go to Medrol instead, you know, try that or dexamethasone instead. 
um, see if that's maybe, or maybe they said it didn't work at prednisone. Well, some dogs don't respond to prednisone and may respond to prednisolone a little bit better. So, or even Medrol. So you can, you know, change up the drug and kind of go that way. So if that's the reason why they don't want to do it, then, you know, I kind of try to maneuver around if I feel like that's the most appropriate drug for them for sure. And, you know, and that's fine. I feel like I have better success that way than the owners that come in that want steroids only because that's what works and trying to convince them otherwise. But then again, laying out the long-term complications. You know, if we do steroids all the time, you're going to shorten the quality of life. They're going to end up with our complications, liver disease, you know, thinning skin, hair loss, stuff like that. But then at the same time, you know, if it's an atopic dog and they've failed every other treatment and they only respond to steroids, my big comment, I always talk to my owners is that quality of life versus quality of life. I'd rather have them happy and comfortable for three years than miserable for eight, you know, and then them kind of like you mentioned a minute ago, them, the owners pulling out their hair because they're up in the middle of the night scratching all the time. And they're just constantly miserable and they're always taking them to the vet, which is frustrating for the owner as well. So I try to steer them away from the steroids, just do the long-term complications and talk about, okay, I'm fine with doing a short course here, but we need to realistically get them on a long-term treatment plan. That's going to be most important. And it might be that they have to have steroids every three to four months for a week or two, just to kind of put out the fire while maybe the side point or the apical or the atopica is doing the lifting the rest of the year or the immunotherapy, you know, and you just need something to kind of smooth the rough edges. Definitely here in the Midwest, you know, in the fall, we've had extremely high ragweed this year. And I've had many dogs that are, have done great on whatever their normal therapy is for atopy. And I have had to use a lot of steroids recently just to kind of get them over the hump. You know, it's, they don't have secondary infections or other issues. I just need to get them over the hump, which some of those owners, it is tough to convince them that, Hey, we just need to do this. Let's try this right now. But again, I, I, I do a lot of communication of what's the positive negatives of each one, which is the biggest thing. So. Gosh, and thinking about the Medrol and the dexamethasone and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, my mind is being so open to like these dosages and, and length of treatment. I'm like, no, it's like prednisone or prednisone or prednisone or like Temeral P maybe. And yeah. so, yeah, to, to, I, I usually don't even think about reaching for those other options, especially when we're talking about side effects. So yep. that's good information to know. And Temeral P is a great one too, as well. You know, it's one that's obviously it's a veterinary only, which is nice. Um, some vets, unfortunately, have not been exposed to it a lot, whether it's in school or whatnot, but it's a great drug just because you can get much lower doses of the steroid with the antihistamine in combination, which is nice. And again, that decreases the side effects. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself to say prednisone is the only steroid. There are many options out there. And unfortunately, some work better than others for individual patients. So. Awesome. I'm so glad that we talked about that and we touched on the different options once we get these guys on steroids and we're working on putting this fire out, what kind of follow-up do you recommend based on the case? I mean, is a phone call appropriate in certain cases? Where do we need to make a hundred percent sure we get a recheck exam? I mean, close to a hundred percent as we can. What kind of follow-up do we need to do with these guys? Yeah. So if it's a lot of my say atopic patients, so it's skin mainly, I think a phone call is appropriate, you know, about a week later phone call or within a week, kind of make sure that things are improving or on the right road. So I think that's, you know, completely effective just to make sure we're going in the right way, because usually those are 
starting antibiotics as well, because there's infection on board and you're just trying to calm that down. So I think that's a perfectly fine. You know, obviously you do want to recheck them before the antibiotics are done just to make sure infection's gone and make sure that they're doing well. And then usually I will still have them give me an update about a week or two later after everything's done to make sure that they're not flaring right back up as soon as the steroids are gone. Now the ears, I am very you know, adamant for them. I mean, if it's just inflamed and ulcerative ear, you know, I'm still going to recheck those a couple weeks later just to make sure we're on the right course, making sure the bacteria is decreasing, the ulcers are healing, decreasing in number. Um, because that's obviously usually when we have ulcers, we're talking pseudomonas, which is obviously the most difficult one that we deal with in the ears and most resistant and very painful. So if it's not on the right course, I want to make sure I catch that before we're, you know, two months down the course of keep doing the same thing and not getting improvement. So I'll usually check them in two weeks. Um, for my cases that are extremely stenotic and you can't really barely even get say an oscope cone in there then it's pretty much steroids. I want to see them back in three weeks, you know, time frame to make sure that ear canal is open and see if I can get it completely open. It may be completely open at that time. If it is, I'll taper it away. If it's not, and there's still some hyperplasia in there, but we're significant grounds, I may go a little bit longer and then check them back in a couple more weeks. Um, so for the ears, I like to see them back before I take the steroids away, realistically. The skin, I'm not as adamant about that because there's usually a lot of infection going on as well. Absolutely. And just talking about pseudomonas for a minute, the steroids, am I wrong in thinking they reduce the wax secretion in the ears as well? So maybe give that pseudomonas less places to hide. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Cause it's going to decrease the hyperplasia going on with the stromous gland. So you're going to start to see less wax secretion, decrease in the inflammation. You're going to get less of the perfect environment for them, which cleaning definitely helps as well with that too. But obviously you're not going to be able to clean with a horribly ulcerated ear canal as well. So, but yeah, so steroids, and there's actually quite a bit with just the pro-inflammatory aspect of pseudomonas and all the mediators that steroids help significantly just with that alone, just to calm down the environment. Absolutely. And when we're talking about steroids, we talked about the prednisone, dexamedrol, you know, all these um, options that we have. What about injectables? Do you primarily stick with oral steroids or do you use injectable? For most of my patients, I'm sticking with oral. Um, probably the outsider are the wonderful cats, um, just because medicating them can be difficult. With cats, I tend to go more with triamcinolone injection, just because it's going to last for a good couple of weeks. So I tend to go more that way with that. I can't say I use too much depo. I've honestly, in my 10 years, I think I've used it twice. I, I try to stay away from that completely, just from the aspect of you know, that once you give it, you can't take it back. And the amount of time that's in there is my concern. At least with the triamcinol, and I know it's going to be working a couple of weeks, which is a decent course for a lot of these cats, you know, the ideal time. Dexamethasone, doing an injection right then, you know, if it's an allergic reaction or something, then you can, you know, maybe go that to kind of speed up the process a little bit just to kind of get it going. But most of the time, oral, I think are going to be, you know, quite effective. So. And this isn't the first time I've like bared my soul on this podcast, as far as showing my ignorance, I guess. I don't think I've ever used triamcinolone on a cat. Yep. And, and that's, and that's not uncommon. It's kind of one of those things that, you know, I kind of got exposed to years ago and 
kind of like the aspect of, you know, having a good two weeks, maybe three as it's tapering off of the steroids. And so I think it's quite effective. Obviously the dose difference is the key with that. The other problem we've run into is there has been some supply shortages at times with Tremcil injectable, but it is a nice drug. I really like it for those cases because it's either, yeah, you do dexamethasone for a couple of days, a date or two versus depo for a couple months, you know? So it's kind of that nice intermediate ground to kind of help out. So you know, I've always felt like I'm not really super shy when it comes to steroids. Like I will absolutely reach for steroids, but now like after this or, or through this conversation, I'm feeling like, man, maybe I am like more shy than I think when it comes to steroids. It's good. It's good to be, you know, it's good to be scared. I guess I would say just to not overboard, you know, overbear them. And unfortunately I will admit, I've seen cats that have gotten too much steroids and their skin is peeling off um, because of skin fragility, you know? So, I mean, there's, there are real significant side effects or the diabetic cat, you know, those are huge problems that you directly did cause by using the steroids, unfortunately. So those are avoidable type situations. So you do need to be careful of it. And there are cases again, that I'm thinking of one cat right now that has horrible facial fold dermatitis and everything. And the cat's on steroids for life. It's the Mm -hmm. only thing that works for this cat. You know, I also have it on Apoquil, which is a little different for cats. So I'm using something else for steroid sparing effects, but it's what keeps the cat comfortable. And right. it's the classic example you told me before the owner came in and said, I want more steroids now. Right. I'm like, well, <laughs> let's see what else we can do and kind of modify the whole treatment plan to maybe, yes, I appease and I'm giving the steroids because we do know it helps the cat and I want the cat comfortable, but I also don't want to push this cat in diabetic land um, or skin fragility or anything else going on. Or maybe next thing you know, it has Demodex because of the steroids as well. Oh, Demodex. I forgot about Demodex with these guys. I was thinking like heart failure, diabetes and all that. You're right. Demodex is in there too. Well, the skin's the most important thing. I mean, come on, at least in my mind. (laughs) There you go. There you go. The case you just mentioned is the perfect segue into my next question. Cause I was going to ask you about the types of considerations we should think about when we're using steroids in conjunction with other medications. So you mentioned Apoquel, of course there's Cytopoint, antihistamine, thyroid medications come to mind, just thinking of like the low thyroid we see with Cushing's disease. So what kind of things do we need to think about with these patients when they're on other medications? Yeah. So typically when we're thinking the atopic drugs, so Apoquel, Cytopoint, I guess I would go Apoquil atopica would be more appropriate pairing. Uh, they do have some anti-inflammatory effects. You know, Apoquil is not as potent as atopica, but obviously if you're going to put them both on long-term, yes, atopica steroids together are going to be more potent and you do have to worry about long-term side effects, you know, immunosuppression, things like that. Apoquil, yes, you can see that as well. Cytopoint, I'm not as worried about that just because it's a little bit different mechanism of action. But if I can avoid having them on two medications long-term, especially at say high end, like say one mg per kg of steroid and say, you know, for a cat, seven mg per kg of atopica, I'm going to try to avoid that if possible, or at least do alternate day therapy or something like that to give them still comfort, but not giving them a full dose all the time. And, but again, if you're going to use say atopica, you need to build up the drug. So you need to use something in the meantime, which I will, if you look through my records, almost every single one of them has gotten steroids um, in that immediate month to six week time frame, just to go ahead and give them comfort while building up the drug. And even Apoquil as well, if they're very red and inflamed, like I said before with the fire, you know, those drugs will help to stop the itch. You know, definitely Cytopoint is predominantly completely the itch. The Apoquil works kind of both, but you need to put out the inflammation. 
if you don't put out the inflammation, unfortunately, I, I kind of feel you do the drug injustice, the cytopoint, because it's not going to make a horribly red inflamed dog calm down its skin. So I will use the steroids initially with that or with Apoquil to kind of put out the fire for a week, five days or whatever, and then pull it away and then let the Apoquil or the cytopoint do the heavy lifting. And again, long-term, yes, Apoquil, Atopka, I'm more concerned with those long-term with steroids being given all the time. Antihistamines, I feel pretty safe with that. The good advantage, kind of like I mentioned a minute ago with Temeral P is that you can actually decrease your dose of the steroids, which is nice. You're not going to use the full one mg per kg for the steroid. You can probably get away with 0.5 pretty easily and then get higher efficacy, which is nice. So I think that's definitely, you know, using those to your advantage. And I will have some cases like that where I'll go ahead and throw in a little antihistamine or they're on antihistamines and throw in a little course of steroids, maybe on a Saturday and a Tuesday just give them a little pulse just to kind of calm things down occasionally. You know, again, these are cases where I don't really have other options. Steroids are what works and keeps the cat or dog comfortable. And I don't really have any other options, but you know, you will do that in regards to other drugs and interactions. I mean, just knowing what you're doing, I think is the most important and knowing that you're causing interactions with those other drugs. Probably the biggest case I always think of is the cushionoid patient. The cushionoid patient that is atopic, that is, say, does well on cytopoint, but here comes ragweed season and it's horribly inflamed and we just can't calm it down. I'm fine giving them steroids. I just know that Cushing's is going to be out of control for a little while as I'm giving them that. And as long as the owner's aware of that, hey, we might see a little bit more increased thirst, increased urination, everything, but that should normalize as soon as I take the steroids away. I just need to get over this hump and get over this hill just to kind of make sure they stay comfortable. And then thyroid as well, knowing that, okay, are you going to start to see and be a little bit more lethargic, not as active, maybe some hair loss because of the euthyroid six syndrome aspect of using the steroids with it. So there are those issues that are going to be present. And again, letting them know those ahead of time. I try to warn all my clients of all the side effects that I can think of in the moment. It kind of prevents all the phone calls later, or at least decreases them, I should say. But it also gives them a good idea to be watching out for that. Because if it does become a little bit too excessive, then they're aware of them, you know. I'm so excited about what you said about using steroids in the Cushing's patients. Cause I've definitely been in that scenario where you have this Cushnoid dog come in. And like you said, their skin is just on fire from whatever allergy they've come into contact with. And I'm always like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. I mean, I can reach for, you know, say Apoquil or, or one of these other medications and try to calm it down, knowing nothing's going to be as effective as the steroids. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Do you reduce your dosages or, you know, how long you have them on it? Yeah, I, I usually am a little bit more careful in those cases with the steroids. I mean, the big thing also is you think about your Cushingoid patients, that Cushing's didn't develop in one week, two weeks, you know, it's been a long term type, you know, kind of accumulation for them. So it's, you know, doing a week or two of steroids to calm it down is not going to send them down this horrible spiral where when you recheck them in two weeks, they're going to be hairless, you know, and everything like that. It's not going to go ahead and cause those significant side effects. So I will usually go towards the lower end though, the 0.5 to 0.75 range of my steroid. And I'm probably, I am going to kind of be a little bit more shorter course of doing, usually I'm a 777 person, but I'll probably go five days, five days, five days, get them off in two weeks, um, just to make sure that I'm not going to cause, you know, 
a complete spiral out of control with the Cushing's. I don't mess with what their treatments are for the Cushing's. I don't mess with that at all and let them just kind of go through the course of the steroids and then see what happens afterwards, whether anything needs to be changed, whether trilostane dose needs to be changed or altered or whatever. But usually I kind of let that go out for a good month or two afterwards just to make sure there wasn't any significant changes or alterations need to be made, which I can't say I've ever actually had one that needed any other alterations afterwards. But again, just knowing that you're going to have those side effects for sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, who knew that these staple drugs that are needed in so many different kinds of cases, especially when it comes to dermatology, that there are so many considerations with them. I mean, like I said, I feel like I use steroids fairly commonly and, and don't shy away from them when they're needed, but I learned so much from this conversation. Thank you so much. Yep. No, I'm good. glad to kind of talk about it. It's f- fun to open your eyes because honestly, there's one of those things you get stuck kind of, shouldn't say in a rut, but you kind of get into your routine and you oh my think gosh, about, I feel like yeah. absolutely. Just yep. from- <laughs> exactly. And you know, and I, I have made a change in the last year coming to Iowa state from previous university and, you know, seeing how they do stuff a little bit different also opens my eyes, you know, it's just, there's more than one way to skin the cat. And so you never know, you know, what different drugs, things like that, and different ways that you can use them. So it's always good to hear other people from their experiences and try them out, try them out. You know, that's the only way you're going to know whether it's going to be beneficial for you or whether you like it, you may not like it and be like, Oh, I don't like this idea. And that's fine. You've tried it and at least open to it is the key. So. Absolutely. I I like to use the phrase in my hands, this doesn't work or in my hands, this does work because for somebody else, you know, they seem to have great success, but, or, or no success, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, medicine, it's, it's an individual thing. So like you said, keeping your mind open, talking to all kinds of different people and hearing their approach and trying different approaches is so important. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I'm sympathizing with all those steroid critters out there right now with my squeaky voice over here. <laughs> um, well, Dr. Peeper, again, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. Very educational. We so appreciate your time. Yep. Well, no, I was glad to, glad to talk to you about it. It's one of those things that steroids have been around forever. They're used quite a bit. And, you know, well, just like you say, you know, a lot of people know a lot about them, but there's always new little tips and tricks that can help people out. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Peeper, for joining us. Thank you to Hills for making this episode possible. And thanks to all of you for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about this and other podcasts, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.